0: Before we talk about what you did prior to going out on your own, Teresa, because there was a lot of zigging and zagging that went on, I thought we could flash back to when you were in college. You went to the University of Michigan and you graduated with a BA in Anthropology and International Affairs. Sure. Did you know what you were going to do with that degree when you graduated?
1: I didn't think I was going to make it through college, Andrea. I really, I felt like I first generation, you know, my parents were both blue collar workers. My mother was a welder, you know, Rosie the Riveter. My mother was a welder at a furniture company in, in Michigan. And my father was in the tool and dye trade. So it was, a, it was a trade. And and so I really grew up in an environment where that was sort of the norm. And, and, and it was encouraged. And so really, my desire to co- go to college came from a place of like, knowing that the world was bigger. I had this transformative trip to Peru when I was a young teenager. And so I just loved being in school. I loved learning and I knew the world was a bigger place. And so it was really a very big deal for me to even go to the University of Michigan. So, and everybody I knew who had gone to college, besides my teachers, had dropped out. They talked about how expensive it was, how hard it was to get through. And so I did have support, significant support for my teachers who encouraged me down that road. So by the time I got to the University of Michigan, I really felt like, you know, I had to work through all of college. I remember I was working over 30 hours a week, a part-time job while, while having a full course load. And so by the time that I got to the end of my degree, I was just like, couldn't believe I had gotten there. It was, it was a marathon. It was a sprint of trying to support myself but also get through at the same time. So, you know, there was a number of years afterwards where I felt like, oh my gosh, I should have gone into medicine because if I gone into medicine, I would be able to help people in a more direct way and I would be able to support myself. But really what ended up happening is I had to support myself and I had a, career, you know, I had a degree in anthropology that didn't lend itself specifically to any industry or role, but I had interest in women, in supporting women in need and i had you know, had this experience in india so really i had these sort of like parallel lives where work shelter was a passion project and then i graduated during the heart of the recession and it was just sink or swim sink or swim i had to figure out how to support myself there were no more you know there were no more loans the, the part time work did cut it anymore. i had to i had to get a career and for me that started at a temp agency where I was just placed for one day to answer the phones. I did a good job answering the phones. I was like, oh my gosh, here I am. You know, I went to college and here I, you know, here I am answering phones. But that, that's when I started. And they said, you, know, you did a good job this one day. Why don't you come back for two weeks while our administrative assistants on leave? So I did that. And during that two weeks, I was working with executive leadership at the company. And they said to me, you know, you're, you're really smart. What's, what's your story? What are you doing here? You know, you're, you're late in the office trying to make sure things are done every day. We'd like to know more about you. And that's when I was brought on for a full-time permanent role in, in client management. And that really kicked off my career.
0: Incredible. So let's see, I'm just going forward here, which was that at Fusion? What, what was that, that was first Fusion. job? Yeah it was. Communication. Yeah,
1: pharmaceutical marketing agency. Yeah. Incredible. I yeah. love
0: that you did the temp angle. I actually mm-hmm. did that as well okay. at one point after graduation. Sure. And I sure. was just thinking the other day, I need to be talking about that more on LinkedIn mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because for whatever reason,
1: I'm not sure. seeing it.
0: There may be people sure. talking about temp sure organizations, but I actually think that's a great way to get your foot in the door.
1: Totally. And, and it's not like they said to me, oh, you're temping for one day. This could turn into something. They never said that. They said, come for one day. Okay, come for two weeks. Sometimes they would call me the morning of, I would say, yes, I, I needed the money, I needed the work. And so I would have never known what would come out of that, you know, those first couple experiences, temping.
0: Excellent. Not excellent that you didn't know, but excellent that you did. Get something out of it. You alluded to the fact that you graduated during the last Great Recession. You graduated in May of 2008. Yeah. I have to imagine, Teresa, that you feel a tremendous amount of empathy with the class of 2020 and the class of 2021 who'll be graduating this spring. We're doing this interview now in the middle of January of 21. Absolutely. What advice do you have for these young students who sure. have either already graduated or about to graduate into a terrible economy with the coronavirus still around?
1: Sure. You know, I really do have a lot of empathy and compassion and and I remember I remember being turned down for a retail job after I had graduated. And just feeling like, wow, I can't even get a job at a a store. Yet, even though I have this four year degree. But as I just shared, I just I needed a different path. And there was a different path. And so what I would say, you know, I know it can be hard to just like, wake up every day and say, Okay, I'm, you know, I'm looking for a solution. I'm looking for a job, I want to work in this space. And to feel that like, rejection or to feel like I don't know how I'm ever going to get to the place where I really want to be. And what I would say to that is like, you know, maybe you can't keep your energy up every single day. But try to look at the context. Things will not be like this forever. They probably won't even be like this for one more year, there is going to be an opportunity for you. And so to keep your eyes and your just to keep your attention pointed outward to keep conversations happening, to keep up those efforts, you know, eventually something will work out and just, just assume that it's not going to work out right now. Assume that it's going to take six months, give yourself a timeline. That's not like, you know, like this has to be resolved. I have to know what I'm doing in the next month. Sometimes we just can't do that. And I come across that even as an entrepreneur where I'm like, I really want to know, like, what will my numbers be next month? I don't know what my numbers are going to be next month. I have no idea what's going to happen. Right? Like there, are, there are all these things that we can't control. So the only thing that we can control is ourselves, and just and just keeping an an outward look and a, and a motivation, knowing that that opportunity will arrive at some point.
0: A hundred percent, I agree. Now I actually have your resume right here, and I I usually <laughs> mark them up. Oh my just
1: gosh.
0: To, you know it's it's fun to look at.
1: <laughs> You know, I don't need to send it to early. So,
0: yeah. Well, I see that you got an internship in January of two thousand nine. You graduated in May, and there's like a gap, and that may be the gap when you were, when you were working at the temp agency. Mm-hmm. But you worked for four months at Amnesty International. Yeah, yeah. Would you say that was your first professional experience after you graduated or was there something else?
1: Yeah, I would say that was it. So, after I graduated, I went to India and I had this whole big scheme. I was going to take a pony caravan with this women weavers cooperative to Tibet and like work and like like get footage of them getting this like raw cashmere from these goats that they were herding. I just had this like big scheme and when I got to India it, it fell apart. And so I needed to do something. Amnesty International had an office in Delhi. And so I was able to use my writing skills to edit their edit their magazine. And and you know actually that experience at Amnesty International I mean it was it was like interesting to go to protests and you know and like actually like be in the streets protesting for women's rights and the police would come and all this stuff like that was, that was interesting. But from a day-to-day perspective, I just felt like, you know what? I don't really feel, I, I'm like not excited to go edit, edit this magazine. And so that was a, a sort of thing in the keep doing your own stuff. You like go and source these artisans and sell it. And like, and that eventually led to the work shelter. But yes, that time at Amnesty International was the, that the first like post-college opportunity. Got it. And when you say it was like a thing, it was that like your
0: your gut that was telling you this is not the right path to keep pursuing in terms of the type of do-gooder work that I want to be yeah. doing. I want to get my hands dirty.
1: Yeah. Exactly. I you know, I I maybe maybe I'm short sighted, but I just I didn't believe that I was really making a significant impact with the editing that I was doing. And I'm not saying that that work's not important. I believe believe that it does contribute. But for me, I knew that I wanted to really see with my own eyes. I didn't want to just say like, oh, we're putting this thing out into the world. Hopefully people read it. You know, I really wanted to be more direct. Like these women need something. I'm going to see if I can get it to them. Okay, we're going to grow that and grow that and grow that.